I started Aegis, and Aegis started really as just an investigation. I wanted to understand why was it that people who were my age were treated as some kind of a medical liability, as like a problem in need of a solution. I didn't really feel that way. Everything around people my age seemed really infantilizing. And so I thought, well, let's figure out why that is. What's different between us and our parents and between us and the people who weren't living like this? So we figured that out and then we started publishing a little newsletter to 50 of our friends and our great ambition was that they would remain our friends after we sent them this thing. And now it's a much bigger thing. It's taken a while, but it's been a wonderful ride. I really enjoy it. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And here are your hosts, Jack Uhaldi and Robert Eriartborg. Welcome everyone to the Reinvention After 50 podcast. And today we are revisiting one of Jack's first interviews, the or handful of interviews that he did a few years back with David Harry Stewart. Why don't you tell us about what's changed with David over the last, what, four or five years now? Yep, five years. Other than being five years older, uh, a lot has changed uh, for David and uh, quite frankly for us as well. So David is kind of branched out now. He's got a podcast going. He runs a business. He's a CEO and founder of a business called Aegist. They have a fantastic website. And while they're focused on supporting brands and helping brands uh, communicate effectively to the 50 plus audience. He's also become a thought leader in the space um, with his with his website, Aegist, and, and some of the work that he's doing in that space. One of the takeaways I got from the interview was that when he first started, he had no idea he'd be at this point. And that's, that's kind of the message that we've been talking about is you're not gonna have all the answers when you start something. If you have an idea and you obviously have to have some things in place, you know, you just gotta go for it because we're, where he started where he is now is amazing tell us about that journey that he took yeah so he's a lot like us so he was a still photographer uh did a lot of work in fashion just a award-winning photographer but was on the creative side was never in front of the camera like you and you and i and we're, we're finding like doing this somewhat difficult to be in front of the camera so he didn't have that um but early on he decided that he wanted to do talks and he wanted to become a thought leader in the space of, of aging and he wanted aging to be something that was sexy and that was cool versus the way brands treated people that were 50 and over and so so his business is two-pronged it's one the big part of his business where he generates most of the revenue is around advising brands on how to do it effectively and he did that he had that experience as being a photographer and working with many brands and seeing what was being done wrong and wanted to create a solution for brands to say hey that's a big market. The 50 plus market is a huge market. There's a lot of potential, but you need to reach out to them effectively. So he's doing that with that side of the business. And then he thought, okay, well, for, for the brands to take me seriously, I need to become a thought leader in the space. So that's where Aegis comes into, into place. And so he's doing that through now. He's got, he's a speaker. He's getting paid dollars to actually go speak at, at gigs. He's done a TED talk and he was like freaking out the first couple of times he was on stage, but now he's like, he can go out and talk to a group of four or 5,000 people. It's no no big deal. So he's done it because he's been persistent, consistent with it. And that's everything we preach on Brand 50. And the interesting thing about Aegis is that his website, it's a beautiful website, it's done very well. That's really more of a front end of what his real business is, which is the consulting, which has developed over the years. And that's the interesting thing about 
how David started this business and where it is now. So let's take a listen. David Harry Stewart, thanks for joining me on the Brand 50 podcast again. You're, I think you're our first repeat uh, interview. So thank you for, for joining Wonderful. me. Wonderful. It's, it's yeah. great to be here. Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about Aegist and all the work that you're doing. Phenomenal platform. I really, as I said on the, just on our chat prior to jumping on here, I really love what you guys are doing. You, it's so fun, too, because when you and I first spoke, I actually remember sitting in traffic uh, coming home from work. I don't know why. I've got this visual memory thing going on. But I remember talking to you about Aegis, and you were opening a book and talking about how you were, gonna, how you were working on the platform. This was around 2016, because I think you started in mm. 2015. Yep. About 2015. Yep. So you're kind of early on into it. But before we get into all that, let me back up. Tell us about who you are, who you were. Uh, you were a fashion photographer, an award-winning fashion photographer. Kind of a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say photographer. I did a little bit of fashion, but it wasn't. Fashion is a weird world. Um, okay. I did some of that. Uh, mostly. So, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. Um, I didn't really like that too much because it was too, um, I had to sit at a desk. I really liked that. So I became a photographer really early on. I had my first ad in American Vogue at 24. I was living in Paris by like 25, working for the magazines there. Moved to New York. You know, I think my first gigs were like an interview. And then I started working for like all of Connie Nast and Hearst. Uh, I lived in New York for about 25 years and I've done maybe a thousand advertising campaigns, uh, like a dozen covers in New York Times Magazine. And then when I was about 56, I think about a little before we met, I started Aegis. And Aegis started really as just an investigation. Like I, I wanted to understand why was it that people who were my age were treated as you know some kind of a medical liability, as like a problem in need of a solution. I didn't really feel that way. Everything around people my age seemed really infantilizing. And so I thought, well, let's figure out why that is. What's up with that? And why, you know, what are the differences that people like myself and really everybody I knew, like like you, like what's different between us and our parents and between us and the people who weren't living like this? So we figured that out. And then we started publishing, I guess, uh, fall of 2015. We had a little, little newsletter to 50 of our friends and our Great ambition was that they would remain our friends after we sent them this thing. Uh, and now, you know, it's a much bigger thing. So it's, it's taken a while, but um, it's, it's been a wonderful ride. I really enjoy it. So you started with 50 of your closest friends. They were your, your readers, if you will. Um, yeah. But you've evolved since then. And it's, yeah. the, it's been fun for me to see sort of this evolution. I know when we first spoke, the newsletter was sort of the primary focus, like getting the email, yeah. getting the newsletter out there, getting an email, getting in people's inboxes. And you, you had yeah. mentioned to me on our previous conversation that Aegis, the website itself, wasn't really the driver. It was more about the right. letters and everything else. Is that changed? Uh, yeah. Um, so the thing about newsletters is it's one-way communication. It just goes out, right? And it's, it's nice because it goes into people's email boxes and it's still something... We have an awesome newsletter, and it's it's something that we spend an enormous amount of time and energy on. It's a real source of pride for us. We now have a, a much more involved website, and we started with the website really so we could have more interaction with our community, so you can comment in a web. So communication becomes two-way. We're much more active on social media now. You know, five years, it was almost six years ago, 
that really wasn't as much of a thing for people our age, but it's 100% now. You know, we do podcasting now. We have the Super Age podcast. So that also, it's like another channel of communication. People get back to us with that. And the, the website becomes a really a, a destination at this point. So people go there, they'll, uh, you know, generally, like we look at our stats and we see that people don't go and they just like read a thing and leave. They go and they'll read three or four things and they'll say, like, oh, okay, I'm interested in this. Oh, we like their point of view on this. And so we've become a resource in a way that it's much harder to be sort of an indexed resource if you're a newsletter. It's funny. I'm one of those people. When I go on your website, I read three or four things. I, I, I actually, I, I, and I, it may not go on like, not like a regular, like every day on your website, but when I do go on, I'm like, God, why don't I go on this website more often? <laughs> I mean, fully transparent because you cover the things I really enjoy. You talk about food. I love food, health, longevity. Longevity is a big one for me, relationships and money. And I see a lot of travel. You're doing a lot of travel related yeah. things. As far as the community is concerned, what kind of community, what uh, are you doing? I know you're doing sort of back and forth and right now during COVID it's probably pretty tough, but do you have community events you're looking to do community involvement, like above and beyond just social? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. We had a big event that we did the year before COVID. And then in the spring of like January, February, we were like full bore. We we're going to like do a, a much larger event in June of that year, but then COVID happened. So we don't have, anything on the books right now. I think that in-person events are really important. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it's really important for us. They're incredibly difficult. It's just so hard. It requires so much time. But I think for the community, it's a validation. When you walk into a room and you see several hundred people that are just like you, it really validates things to say like, hey, you're not alone. There are all these other people. And we found that that was really powerful for our community. So yeah, we'll be doing more of those in the future. That's great. Yeah. Was that your best life? Was that one of them? Yeah. I see that. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. How, did you, how many people did you get at that event? That was, uh, I think it was about 280 at that one. God, that's great, man. Cause it, yeah. I've, I've through work and whatnot, I've been part of events. I've done it. It is hard to do. Oh yeah. And you probably had people coming from all over, right? Cause you're, cause all you're, over the world, all over the yeah. world. We had Asia, Europe, South America. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. First event, and you've got a, almost 300 people coming from all over the world. So that's that's uh, that's pretty nice. I, I love your your blogging, man. I just, uh, gosh, I was looking at taking some notes here. And like one of them was your top 10 of your, your best life, which I oh, yeah. actually enjoyed. Exercise yeah. was on their food exercise. Posture is a big one. Posture huh? and flexibility, yeah. man. Yeah, I've been working on my posture. My mother at the age of like 12 used to hammer me about my crappy posture. Now my wife of 31 years gets on me about my posture. So, but I'm working on it. It's how you're judged when you walk in the room. It is. It's just a, just a fact. And, and it's actually, as I adjust my posture in my chair right here. (laughs) Me too. uh, (laughs) The, uh, you know, one of the, I just say one of the things somebody taught me is when you sit in a chair, sit on the edge of the chair and make sure your knees are below your hips. That's so that'll one. force a curve into your back, which is good. That's actually a good tip. I'm doing that right now. I actually roll. I got I got one of those little foam rollers, like the hard one. I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of, yeah. doing a lot of different stretches, but yeah, that was really good advice that you gave. One thing I noticed though on here that was not here is sleep. And I find for oh. me- yeah, it's so funny. I was just 
just before this call, I was recording a podcast with Dr. Michael Bruce, who's the sleep doctor. Oh, sure. And sleep, I, that was just a poor omission on my part. Uh, <laughs> that it's, if you're not sleeping well, yeah. nothing else works. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it, it, your, your eating is going to be messed up. You're, you're not going to be able to exercise because you're going to be stressed. You're not going to think clearly. Right. You do that for a period of time, you're gonna, your brain's going to rot, literally. Yeah. No, totally. And then you did another blog too. And I thought I wrote it down here. Uh, it was a, it was a body marker. Uh, it was a blood test that you took. Yeah. I've taken a few of those. So there's uh, we work with a company called inside tracker. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And inside tracker is really awesome. It's a blood test and it's overlaid with uh, genetics. You do a DNA test and you wear a Fitbit and then it, what they do is they're really only interested in blood markers that you can do something about. And same with the genetics. So some kind of weird gene and you, you know, have some kind of genetic dispose, you know, some terrible thing. You can't do anything about that. So right. like, let's forget about that. It was really helpful about like, so my LDL was like slightly high. So there was just a whole lot of things to do there to take care of that, that I hadn't, really thought about and then how that overlays with my genetic predisposition to certain things. I'm a big believer in personal responsibility. And it's, so it's really hard. Like if you go to your doctor, he's probably going to do a lot of these blood tests. And you might not do all of them, but a lot of them, but all he's going to do is he's just going to tell you like, Hey man, your LDL is high. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta watch that. Like, what does that mean? Watch it. Huh? Like, can't we just, what, what am I, do about it. Like, are we just going to watch it until you like put me on statins? Right. That's what they're going to do. Right. So <laughs> let's not <laughs> like, you know, let's have a little sense of agency here and do something about it. Right. So that's where they're at. And I, I think, yeah, I think it's a really good company and they're a really great product. Yeah. I, I got to check that out. And I, I'm all about functional medicine as we, as yeah. we age, it's, it's all about preventative healthcare, man, because the last thing you want to do is end up being, you know, 50 and over and you're on like 12, 15 different medications. And that's what I hate to say it, but that's what Western medicine, in my opinion, has become. Well, I, I think that one of the things that I've learned is that we have agency and we have to, as I, you know, this idea of responsibility, personal responsibility. So you are the pilot of your body. Yeah. <laughs> Steer it correctly. We go to see these other people. We go to doctors, we go to you know, various other professionals out there, but they're really siloed in to what they're, like, if I break my arm, awesome. They're going to be great. But a lot of other things, it's really sort of up to us to take responsibility for that. And, you know, most of it is like, like you and I know, it's not exotic, you know, genetic splicing. It's just exercise. Keep your BMI down. Be careful of your blood sugar. Make sure you're drinking enough water. Go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, you just do that stuff. and you know, you're gonna, I, I was on the phone with um, Dr. Michael Reuser of the Cleveland Clinic. And you just, you know, you do those things, you're gonna live 15 years longer than people who don't. Yeah. There you go. It's not that hard. And your health span will be greatly improved. Absolutely. That Yeah. For yeah. me, it's all about the health span. Once, once yeah. my health starts to go south and I'll call it a day, but between now and then I want to do everything I can to live a functional and healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I like about I love about what you're doing around health and longevity. Um, I think it's just, it's all encompassing and all important as we age. Going back to the business of Aegis yeah. and, and when you started, I remember you mentioned the goal was to become, you're a media company, but you wanted to expand on that. 
how have you expanded? What, what are you doing? What, what have you done between yeah. that point and now? Well, we're not really a media company. So really what we are is we're somewhere between a brand consulting consultancy and a research company and an advertising agency that has a media front end. So most of what we do here, you don't see. So we work with large financial companies. We work with a I, there's all this, a lot of stuff is NDA. So I work with like the world's largest sneaker company. You can figure out who they are. Right. <laughs> um, and a lot of other people to, to help people. We either, an, we're either answering questions for people through research projects, and then we interpret it through white papers, and then we output the deliverables on these things are often um, some kind of content that lives on their channels in some way, or perhaps their understandings or their something that we help their, like their HR people or someone on the inside deal with. So that's most of what our energy is focused on. And then uh, we also have what you see on the website. If you go to ages.com, you see what looks like a media company, a publishing company. And we, you know, we monetize that a little bit, but that's never been our focus. Like if we were a media company, we would be all about growing audience, like growing audience and growing advertising revenue in some way, or some other kind of revenue stream out of that. And we, I mean, we do that a little bit, but, you know, we don't really operate like that because, and, and I'll tell you the reason why is because we've seen, we've had access to some of the internal financials of some companies who are like that. The amount of money they pay on for audience acquisition is against the churn. It's like, doesn't make sense. <laughs> Like if you're in that model, you know, like you're going up against Google and Facebook, like get real. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to win there? Right. So, um, you know, we have a very, our audience is super sticky. The open rates on our emails are, you know, probably industry leading and it's because we grow organically and we don't have a huge audience, but we were in very close touch with them. That's great. Could you give an example of maybe one of the brands you've worked with kind of just, just, just an overview of how you work yeah. with them and how you maybe help help them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really think of us as like a guide. We're your Sherpa, and we're going to help either you understand our people, or we're going to help our people understand you. So Jackson Financial, we've been working with Jackson for a couple of years. They're in the annuity space. And so they first came to us with some questions they wanted answered. And so we go out and we do a big quant survey for them. And then that comes back. So the deal with quant is you got to know the right questions to ask, the order to ask them, and who are you asking them to? So SurveyMonkey is not going to do it. Like right. you have to have vetted people who are really are who they say they are, and you have to compensate them to participate in the survey. And these are sort of large, complex, expensive things to do. You get that back and then questions come out of that. So that leads to some qualitative interviews. Qualitative interviews are you get people either on video or you're going to the house for ethnographies, you're talking to them on the phone and you're asking questions to find out more deeper reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. And then we create a paper for that and we say, here, this is what's going on. And then they're like, okay, great. What can we do with this? And we say, okay, so now we're going to, let's create some content that lives on your channels that can address very specifically these market opportunities that we've seen for you based on this research that we do. 
we work with people like that. For somebody like Inside Tracker, who's one of our clients, I act as sort of an interpreter for what they do. So they started out as something that an elite athlete would do. So you would get blood testing, genetic testing, and fitness tracker so that you would be able to, like, if you were, if you were an elite athlete, you would have your blood tested, you know, frequently, like every few weeks, because that 0.1% of performance boost is the difference between being in the podium and not. Right. This is very important. So they started, I don't know, like 10 years ago, but now it's a much broader sort of audience they want to reach. So they want somebody who can speak to the science. So whenever we take somebody on, especially in the health and wellness space, there are certain criteria. And the first is, I need to speak to your scientists and I need to understand that your science is real, that this is not some woo-woo something or other. Right. If you're going to have me go out there and represent it to people, I need to be able to explain it and I need, I need to be able to stand behind it and know that it's real. So I always, anything that we endorse, we always test it here first. We say like, okay, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? And if it's a bad thing, we got a list of pharma people that like want to work with us. And it's like, no way. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. That's right. not a, I don't care how much money you got. I'm not going to work with you. Yeah. It's not, you know, you're, you're, your money is not worth my reputation. So, you know, what we do with Inside Tracker is then we talk about it through my experience or somebody on the team's experience. This is what, how this works. And then these pieces of content that we produce, sometimes they're audio, sometimes they're text and photos, sometimes they're video, and those will live on our channels or almost always they get broadcast through the larger channels of the client. It's pretty cool, man. And, that, that you're, you're, and you're absolutely right too. You were talking earlier about the fact that you can't, it's difficult to become a media company and monetize on web traffic and everything else. It's just, everybody's doing that. So, so having set this up the way you did, and I remember having these conversations with you way, way mm. back when, Yeah. and to see you evolve. I mean, you've got I don't know, on your website, like 15, 20 brands, you know, notable big yeah. brands that you're working with. So it's yeah. not as if you've built this thing. You've done a great job. Um, Thank you. Al along the way, what everybody has hurdles. I'm sure you have. It's funny. I, I went on your, I went on the about us and it's like, uh, like the employee section or whatever the team it was. I think it was yeah. the team. So the last time you and I had this discussion, I think that was you and a writer and somebody else. And yeah. <laughs> now I look on that list and there's like 12 or 15 people on there. Yeah. So you've grown. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, the good points and bad points to that. Sure. There's HR, <laughs> you know, I'm not the best at HR. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been a real learning process the last few years. Our team spread over multiple time zones. So, you know, during COVID, that's sort of become the norm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's understanding too, what are your strengths? What are the things that you're good at? And how can you push that forward? We're, we're kind of lucky because we're the, when the Wall Street Journal wants to know people like us, they call me, I'm the guy. Like, you want to yeah. know about this? I'm the guy. That's good in the sense that we don't really have the time to do client, like client outreach or like, business development yeah, because it's all incoming and it's all we can do to like deal with that. Yeah. That is great. And that's, you know, the, the refreshing part of that is I'm glad to see that brands are recognizing that they need to do a better job of marketing and reaching 50 plusers. Yeah. Right. And I don't know that yeah. that was the case a while ago. So maybe yeah. through the work that you're doing and you become a, you become a leader in this category of business, it's, it's a, it's definitely a positive 
you know, people say, well, you guys have like changed the culture. No, we didn't. We, we were just a little, we were like a little early yeah. <laughs> and the culture has sort of come to meet us. And, and now people know, like, I mean, it's hard if you're like a, you know, you're a 30 year old or 40, you know, maybe 40 year old creative in-house at a brand or an agency or whatever to ask you to talk to people like us. I, I have to ask you to time travel into the future. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. So it gets really confusing. It's tied up with your parents and, you know, what you see on television and like that. So we become like essential for these folks. And you're being generous because 40 is not really the to folks I deal with yeah. agencies that are more like they're in their 20s, like, you know, mid, maybe yeah. early 20s. Exactly. That's kind was, of you to say 40. Yes. <laughs> you're right about that. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Your podcast. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. So I, uh, I've listened to it. I like it. How has it been for you doing a podcast? Well, it was initially really hard. Like every mistake you can make, I made. Forget to return the cord record button on. Have the oh, my favorite one is turn the microphone backwards so it sounds <laughs> like you're talking to a pillow. And I, in the beginning, it was I just thought like, oh my gosh, how can I? I can't do this. But you know, we've been doing them now for about a year and a half. And so now it's much easier. And I, and I really like it because it's not entirely dissimilar from what we do doing an ages profile, except now it's actually the person's voice and we actually have to have a conversation. And so it also, my relationship with my audience is very different now because they hear my voice every week, which is different than reading my words or, or something else. It's a better, tighter relationship. And I can tell by the, like the emails that I get and, and the, the interaction, it's time consuming. And once you start that gerbil wheel, you got to get it going. <laughs> you got, you can't just say like, oh, well, I don't feel like doing this this week. No, <laughs> you, you got to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's wonderful. And we're, we're really lucky because, you know, this week we had Dr. Rudy Tanzi, Harvard head of neurology, who's probably going to win a Nobel Prize. Next week, we got Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. People who are really experts in their field, it's because we have this reputation out there and people see, you know, they go to the web ages site and they're like, oh, I'm going to be part of this. This is cool. In a way that I think is, we probably couldn't do otherwise. Well, you've built it, you've earned it for sure. And now it's probably a lot easier for you to get notable people on your podcast, right? Yeah, that's right. Because they'll First of all, like they'll, they'll see who else is there. Yeah. So that's always the thing. Like what, what company am I joining going right. to be with here? And they see the site and we usually have a, a quick little chat with me and they, they say, oh, like he's, he's okay. He's going to make me sound good. Yeah. The one thing I like about your style too, I, I want to let you know is you're very conversational, which is good. And that was that, I think that just comes natural to you. The challenge I have when doing this podcast is, is, having a conversation and looking down at my notes and making sure I'm asking oh, yeah. the appropriate questions. Like I've had so many podcasts where like, ah, oh, man, I forgot to ask him that question. So that's a little, that's a little frustrating. Oh, you know, what's really helpful before I started, I read the Barbara Walters book okay. about how she does interviews. I mean, she was the bomb, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like she keeps file cards and like how she does this whole thing. And yeah, so I do that. I mean, that's I do cool. some re- research on the people and I write the questions down and I go th- go through it. And then I always let the people know in the beginning, I would say, okay, these, this is what we're going to talk about. Cause I don't want to surprise anybody. I, yeah. I oftentimes send them the questions ahead of time and say, yeah. you know, this is this. And I, and I always say like, 
how can this be most helpful to you? Is there something here that you want the world to know about that I should ask you? That's often the case. There's like stuff that I don't know that may be important for them to get out there in the world. And, and so we let people do that. We very lightly edit things. They're basically, our podcasts are just run straight through. If somebody says something bad or, and they'll say like, oh, like cut that out. Okay, we'll go back and we'll cut it out. Yeah. But otherwise I like to keep it just sort of unfiltered. It's like, this is what we talk about. Here you go. That's great. That's really good to know. It's interesting. One of the things you said early on in this last question I just asked you is I can't do this. You, before you're doing the podcast, just like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this. What I find in doing these podcasts is it's helped me just in my regular job. If I'm doing, if I'm giving a presentation, if I'm mm. talking to multiple people, you've had to do that. You're part of what you're doing as well as you've had a TED talk. You, you get out there, you're involved uh, in doing speeches and, and giving talks and you're getting paid for it now. Mm, yeah. um, and the, the part I love is, is I remember on the last podcast, like you had just started doing it. Like I think maybe a couple <laughs> of couple things going, right? Yeah. You were a photographer yeah. three years prior and you had, yeah. the last thing on your mind was you're going to be up on stage getting zero, <laughs> right? To talk to a large <laughs> yeah. group of people. Yeah. It's probably the, the engineer side of your brain going, right? Um, but that's pretty darn cool. You're getting actually paid to go on stage and talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, key, I did a keynote at the Global Wellness Summit in Singapore. I've done a lot of fairly large things and that'll start up again. But yeah, I mean, you just, that idea of how do you get from A to B, you just got to sort of do it and you do it in slow bits. I mean, for me, I did like a couple of smallish sort of stage things where, you know, I would kind of like sit and people would ask me questions. And, but then I did that TED thing, which was like 4,000 people. Damn. And it was absolutely, I mean, I've done some like scary stuff in my life. That was like <laughs> just as terrifying as any sort of rock climbing at anything that I've done. Because you, once they, Jack, this is what happens, man. You're, you're up on stage, they mic you up, and then there's the tap on the shoulder, go. And then you got to go out and you go into that red circle and everything, Ted, is so much harder than anything else because you can't, there's no latitude, right? Everything is very tightly timed, tightly scripted. You got a lot of cameras buzzing around. And my, with my thing, there was pictures. And the thing is preparation. So I had drilled that thing a couple, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, a couple hours a day for three months. So wow. you could have grabbed me by my ankles and swung me over that audience and I could have delivered exactly the same thing. Because I was just not going to be that guy yeah. who loses his shit <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and is forever recorded in TED world as that guy. Yeah. And once you do that and you get off and you're like, I'm alive. It was okay. Yeah. Like now it's just like, you could, you could throw me on stage right now in front of 500 people and say, talk for 20 minutes. And it's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, cause you've done it, right? It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's from doing it and, and that's the, Yeah. But, but you put yourself in that position, though, and you got out of your comfort zone. And that's what happened. Terrifying. A lot of people in their 50s and 60s, they, they've lived their whole lives doing the same thing over and over and over yeah. again and are fearful of getting out of the comfort zone. Like, I never thought I'd do a podcast. Are you kidding me? Right. Or yeah. do what we're doing here. But it's empowering, man. I, I, I love doing this. I love talking to you. And I find you very inspirational. So, I mean, thank you. 
I guess one a couple last things here is COVID. Yeah. How have you, I know it sounds like you're in, in is it Montana, right? Is that what you're, uh, Park City, Utah. Utah, I'm sorry, Utah. Yeah. So you're Utah, but you're going back and forth to LA. COVID, how has it affected you, the business? I would imagine now for a lot of people, they're looking for resources like yours to help yeah. guide them in the right direction. Interesting. Maybe. I can't tell you like about how people regard us. I know that last year we were living in the arts district in Los Angeles. We lived in a converted factory building on the 10th floor and early March, 2020, things are, you know, we're sort of walking around in what was like hazmat suits almost. And I thought like, here we have a potentially fatal, unknown airborne pathogen and I got to take an elevator three or four times a day. Right. This is not a good combination. We can't, this is, no, we need to leave now. So we came out to Park City, Utah, which wasn't random. I, my best friend lives here and his wife um, is the CMO for a chain of hospitals. So I thought, okay, good. I get sick. I got an in. Good. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a ski town and it was deserted. Like there was just nobody here. It was like a Stephen King movie. It was just like, there was like, you know, I live in a part of town. There's maybe 10,000 units of housing. There are like three people here. So that was great. And then we liked it. So we, we sold that place and we stayed here. And it was really very joyful last year because there wasn't traveling. Like we were just here. And it, it was a nice place to be. The business last year, thankfully, was not, I mean, the only thing was the fact there weren't, like I couldn't go out and do speaking that was off the table, but everything else, we, you know, we had our businesses up like 50% last year. It was great from that point of view. And if you're not constantly traveling and moving and jet lagged and disoriented, you can really think a lot more clearly. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. All right. Final question. And I, I think this is what my second to last final question the last time, but I think this might, <laughs> we'll see, this might be my final question. What do you envision for the next three or three to five years. I, uh, when you and I sit down yeah. in five years or three years or whatever, how do you see um, mm. your business evolving? Ah, the crystal ball question. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's happened here is that, you know, when you asked me this question a few years ago, I couldn't really see that far ahead because I didn't really know what was possible. Like, I, I just didn't have any like day, like, where am I going? I don't know. Now it's a lot more clear. So, there's certain things that we're really, really good at. We'll do more of that. I think that there's a very good chance we're going to move into product. So product is something we know a lot about because we help other people develop them. We have expertise in credibility. I mean, we like we know what works. We know it doesn't work. I think you're probably going to see some of that. Would this be in the health, health and wellness space? Yeah, that's something you know we talk a lot about. And I through the, I, my client work, I know like the very best scientists on the planet. So, you know, probably more of that. I think you're going to see more video. You're probably going to see increasingly very short form video, like 20 second stuff and then like two minute stuff. So we're, we're working on that. There's going to be more, you know, there'll be, I think, especially post COVID, you're going to see a lot more event stuff that we're involved in. Yeah. That's great, man. I, I, it's inspiring. Um, guys, is there anything I miss? Is there anything you want to just, <laughs> uh, no, I think, um, yeah, I'm going to share a little factoid here. Yeah. I talked to like, as I said, a lot of the leading science people, Harvard, Stanford, MIT. And I can tell you that what's about to happen in terms of health span and lifespan is going to be dramatic. 
it's almost incomprehensible. If you look at the where all these things are sort of circling together, the sort of different technologies and science that's happening, as Dr. Michael Reuser of the Cleveland Clinic told me a few weeks ago, he said in the 90s, we said 60 was going to be the new 40. He said in 10 years, in 20, 30, 90 is going to be the new 40. Oh, wow. That, that we're going to see human lifespan has expanded at the rate of 2.5 years per decade in almost straight linear lines since 1800. That's about to change. And so I tell people like, if you can stay healthy, if you can keep your organ systems in reasonably good health in the next 10 years, you're going to be in really good shape to be around for a long time. Yeah. And that includes not drinking a lot. And, and, you know, oh God. <laughs> not yeah. doing too many drugs. And all the no, other, I mean, that's, real we, we assume... Yeah. That's like table stakes, man. We assume you're not smoking four packs a day and no, you know, exactly. drinking a six pack. That's yeah. not going to do it. <laughs> so my, so my, I'm 56 right now. My yeah. goal is at 80. It's oh, it's been stuck at 80 now for a while to be skiing. I love skiing. Sure. Um, and and I now that sounds like I might have hope to ski into my maybe my 90th birthday, maybe in 100. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think that you should probably plan on. Assuming you don't get hit by a truck, that's something different. Yeah. You know, you're probably going to be, there's a really good chance you're going to be around, you know, I don't know, 110, 120, something like that. Yeah. How long are you going to be skiing? I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. I'll shoot for 90 now. I'm going to raise it by yeah. 10 years now. Just, just this is fun, this conversation. Yeah, here. you should. Anyway, so uh, David, Harry, Stewart, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, the website is weareageist.com. It'll be in our show notes. Highly recommend it. You've done a great job. I can't wait to talk to you in, say, three years, and we'll see where you are then. Okay, we'll see if the predictions came true. All right, man. Take care. Pleasure being here. Thanks, Jack. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us, and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening.